Hello, everybody. Welcome to Katie Bird's Garden Podcast. This is episode three, Gardening and Inflation in Beef Bone Broth. Subtitle should be How to F Up Your Beef Bone Broth and then How to Fix It, because that happened. So my initial idea was to actually cook this recipe while I was doing the podcast, sort of talking while I was cooking, but I just didn't get to it. It didn't feel like I wanted to do it at the time, so I just cooked it separate, and now I'm going to talk about it now. <laughs> so my initial thoughts were that we were going to talk about inflation and how grocery prices are up, gas prices are up, everything's up. So it's sort of daunting to even go shopping for anything, and you know it's not very fun anymore. But I wanted to talk about a couple different ways you can, maybe not inflation-proof, but inflation pad your food budget or your budget in general. So these are a couple ways um, you can do so and then how your garden can actually help you a lot when prices of certain items are high. So we're gonna talk about that also. So first, let's talk about meat. So meat and egg prices are actually super high right now. Most have maybe more than doubled, I think. Yeah, eggs for sure. Um, you know, because of the avian flu, and I get it, it takes a while to, to re-fill, um, so to speak, the chicken population because it does take time for them to grow and a lot of these places do have to sanitize their um, barns and locations and they have to sit before they can fill with chickens again. So that's why it takes so long to get this egg situation down. But in general, prices are high. Um, and so we actually lucked out last year. Uh, we had a friend who said they knew of somebody who had a steer that was being processed. And so like you can get a quarter, which is a smaller portion of a cow because we, we're only a family of three, so we don't need a ton of meat. And we only had a portion of a small freezer available. So we were able to get a quarter cow and we got mostly ground beef, all the good steaks, um, a couple different bits and pieces, and we didn't get any roasts. We don't really eat beef roasts, so we got that put into um, ground beef. And then I also asked for soup bones because I like to make soup. I think homemade beef broth is delicious. And so that's where I got the beef bones for this broth that I'm going to talk about. It turned out amazing. Um, like I said, I was going to cook and talk about it, but that would have taken a while anyway. So I think this is just a better way to discuss a very simple recipe and how you can do it yourself at home. And also if you have a bunch of beef bones <laughs> laying around, taking up a lot of space in your freezer, because ours were, they come in big packages. So what is the recipe? It's you know, four to six pounds of soup bones. And I was sort of surprised because soup bones I've seen at the stores are usually the odds and ends and pieces that you really don't know what they are. But these were also pieces I wasn't quite sure, but the meat on them was super thick. There was still two or three inches of meat on each one. And it tasted and the texture was more like a roast. So I think it was just part of the same area of where they cut the roasts from. I'm not exactly sure, but tons of meat still. So I actually picked off all the meat after cooking them and kept that. I'm just going to make some beef soup out of them, I think. And so, like I said, you need about, you know, four to six pounds of bones. And you have to roast them first to get the best flavor. Um, 
I've not ever actually not roasted them, so I don't know the taste difference, but I just think roasting anything brings out really good flavor. You get the proteins caramelized, uh, get a little good singe on the meat that's on there, so it tastes pretty tasty. Um, so what you want to do is pat the bones dry. You'll need a roaster pan or cookie sheets. Um, you can put tin foil if you want. I did because I didn't want the cookie sheets getting all weird. Um, and then you want to season them, season them with salt and pepper and then drizzle olive oil all over them. And then also I, I covered ours in tomato paste, like I painted it on. So it made sort of a mixture of tomato paste, olive oil, and salt and pepper, and I smushed it all over. And that actually turned out really well. Uh, roasted the tomato sauce roasted right into there didn't burn uh, we set the oven at 450 so nice and hot and then uh, took about three 30 minutes to roast and I did flip them and turn them around every 10 minutes to make sure none of the surfaces were burning on the pan so I would make sure you check them and so about 30 minutes until they're nice and toasty brown you don't want them burned because then your broth will taste burned and that's it for roasting the bones. And while you're waiting for the bones to be done, you will cut up four to five um, normal sized carrots or a half bag of baby carrots, which I use because we eat baby carrots around here and they're convenient and they taste exactly the same as other carrots, whatever, carrots or carrot. Uh, cut up either one larger onion or two smaller ones, just in quarters or thirds. And then for garlic, we put about six cloves in. You can put more in if you like more garlic flavor. I don't, so I just put a little bit. And then uh, recipe also calls for a couple ribs, like about four ribs of celery. I didn't have any, so I didn't put it in. This is broth. This is not making a soup right now. So use what you have. If you don't have much of anything, you can use powdered garlic. You can use powdered onion, whatever. It's just to flavor it just a little bit because Bone broth is just a base, it is not a soup. So you need to get it out of your head that it should taste like soup, because it does not. It tastes like um, sort of watery meat <laughs> is the actual flavor of it. Um, a nice watery meat flavor, but it is shouldn't be overly salty. Uh, you will salt and pepper things when you're actually making your recipes with it. So just keep that in mind, don't over salt it, don't over pepper it or anything. Um, what am I missing? Oh, bay leaves, of course. We have some herbs to put in there. Bay leaves for sure. It's one of those, um, it's a leaf. I think it's from a laurel tree or one of those trees. It doesn't seem to fit to it, but it is bay leaves. It's one of those things where you don't notice it when it's in a recipe, but you notice when you don't use it. So it's one of those magical flavors. And then you want to also put in some thyme. Um, you can put parsley if you have it, if you like it. I don't feel like parsley tastes like anything when it's dried. It tastes like hay. Um, so I don't use parsley a lot. And then also a little bit of thyme, if I didn't mention that already. And then I, I put in some rosemary. I like a little bit of rosemary. rosemary. And these are all dried because I don't buy fresh herbs in the winter because they don't grow here. And so I dried all my herbs from my garden last summer and I use them in this recipe. And you're going to strain this anyway, so it doesn't really matter if you got dried bits of brown whatever's floating around because it's a whole bunch of brown whatever floating around in this stuff. So that is the recipe. You're going to put it in a big pot because you're going to need, um, 
you can do anywhere from three to four gallons of water. Uh, I did three because I felt like I didn't have a ton of bones. I think the recipe I was sort of following said around eight pounds or came out to six to eight pounds of what she listed. And so I didn't have that much. So I put three gallons in. I use my Ninja pitcher to measure because it has ounces written on it. So I use that and it should be cold water, like room temperature or cold. Don't put hot water in there because it, I don't know, something Something in the magic of warming everything up together at the same temperature works best for this stuff. And so putting a, a big pot uh, works best and bring it to a boil and then turn it down to a simmer. Now this is where I effed up my broth. What I did was I put the cover on it to bring it to a boil faster and I left it on for six hours. And you know what happened? Nothing. It simmered for six hours. And the problem is this is supposed to evaporate and condense down to half the amount of volume. And mine did not condense. I think it lost maybe two quarts I measured out. So mine had simmered, tasted great, you know, meat water. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot left. And I realized that I kept the top on so that the steam could not escape. And it was just keeping all of the moisture in the pot, all nearly four gallons of it still. So this, by when I discovered this, it was getting towards evening, just around dinner time. And I had planned to complete this process and even can the beef broth last night. And I could not do this because it was nearly four gallons of water. <laughs> So what I did, this is how you rescue your beef broth or whatever broth or soup you're doing, is I divided it into my two crock pots I have because I don't have a giant roaster. You can do this in a big roaster and do everything in the roaster and it works great, but I just don't have one. So I have two crock pots. I divided it. I actually strained out the bones. I strained it through the colander a couple times to get all the bits and pieces out. And then I put them in the crock pots because I didn't even have anywhere to store this all night. And I didn't want it to sit because that creeps me out. You know, microorganisms uh, didn't leave pasture, use chicken broth to grow microorganisms in an experiment. So it really creeps you out with broth. And this um, was a way to keep it at a safe temperature. And also I left the covers not totally sealed so that they're open a little bit so the steam could escape. So I put it on low all night long and we woke up this morning. I actually woke up around seven and they're actually down over an inch, um, the level. So it even went down a little bit on low. So I turned them up to high and I kept it on high for another couple hours um, this morning. And I wanted it to essentially um, cook down to half the volume because I tasted it throughout the morning and it was still pretty watery. And so I wanted more flavor, more concentrated flavor. So I kept it cooking and it did take, you know, probably four or five hours more where they finally cooked down to about half the volume. So I ended up getting about four and a half quarts. So four quarts and then a pint jar of broth. And it is dark. It has tons and tons of delicious little brothy bits in it, and it looks amazing. And it tastes good too. I did have a tiny bit after so I could try it and it tasted great. It tastes a little bit like meat and 
you get a hint of some of the herbs. So if you like more herby stuff, put more in at the beginning. Otherwise, just keep it plain because remember, this is the base for your recipes. This should not taste like soup. It should not be salty. Um, shouldn't be overly peppery, which is I mean, usually when you add broth to something, you're also adding other liquids too. So you can always fix it later. Um, so that's how I fixed it. Uh, I ended up pressure canning it. Um, and that only took, let's see, four and a half quarts. So I cooked it uh, or pressure canned it at 10 PSI for 25 minutes because I had quart jars in there. If you're only doing pints, it would be 20 minutes. Um, so that's how I did that and they turned out perfect. So how does this help inflation or help your budget? Well, broth is expensive. If, even if you buy it at Aldi, um, you know, it's anywhere from three to four dollars for a tiny tiny little box of this stuff. So this is one way you can help your budget by making your basics. So like broths, you can make broths, you can make vegetable broth out of any vegetable scraps. And that's a great base for any soup. It can make um, the base of any pasta sauce, just add stuff together and it tastes good. And so that's a way you can always just save a couple dollars on your grocery bills. Um, especially with the price of meat. If you're saving a couple dollars on your your basics, like broth um, and really any tomato products, if you can can tomatoes, even if you can dice tomatoes in water, in jars, just imagine you are saving yourself a dollar a jar because you know, tomatoes aren't cheap anymore. They used to be you know, 70, 80 cents a can and dollar, a dollar or more for a can of diced tomatoes. So just think of that every time you make a jar, you're saving a dollar or two. And so when this, you know, when you have a couple things per a, a meal or a recipe, you're saving yourself two or three dollars. And then you can say, oh, I can afford to actually put a decent, you know, cut of meat in this, or I can still buy a normal amount of um, meat or proteins that we want to eat because, I don't have to spend this couple dollars on these things. I can use these couple dollars and put it towards a more expensive meat. That's how I like to think about it. I mean, all the other stuff is still more expensive. So, I mean, my grocery bill is still higher than it was. But I like to think I'm not buying all these extra things. I Like, I haven't bought green beans in years because that's what I freeze. I love green beans. Everybody loves them. We eat green beans. I freeze a couple gallon bags worth each year. And, you know, I don't know, five, six of them last us until the next green bean season usually. We don't eat them every day, but maybe once a week, twice a week. Um, so that helps too. I don't buy green beans. We buy corn from the farmer's market. So you can get a dozen years of corn for, uh, lately it's been five or $6 in the summers. And that's a lot of corn. When you boil that and then you cut it off the cobs and freeze it and put that in Ziploc bags, you can get a couple gallon Ziploc bags worth of corn. And that lasts quite a while because I know we don't need a ton of corn, but when you want to have frozen corn, that's a, a bag of corn is, you know, a dollar, dollar fifty, depending on the size. And along with um, kale, kale and spinach, um, that stuff is not cheap when you actually buy it because when you cook this stuff, spinach especially, it cooks down to nothing. So what you're buying at the store, you know, you're paying a dollar or two, whatever it may be, for not a lot. 
Whereas if you grow things at home, you can grow a ton because it grows so fast and freeze it yourself. Um, and it freezes very nicely. Kale freezes even better than spinach because it keeps its shape, like it keeps its structure. So if you want more volume for a recipe and you want more flavor, I would use kale. And there's tons of different kinds of kale. So it doesn't have to necessarily be the plain curly leaf uh, light green stuff. You can get the beautiful dino kale, the lacinato, that's super dark green. Um, that's what I, that's my favorite to freeze. And it tastes good too. So you can freeze greens, um, other green uh, green beans. Peas are hard because you have to grow a lot of peas in order to freeze peas because you think of how small they are. Unless you freeze the pea pods, which we've done that too. You can freeze pea pods easily. Um, that's another way. So just think about the sides that you serve in a meal. If you don't have to actually pay for those, you're saving yourself two or three dollars each meal. And that's a, a great way to Pad your budget, add a little to it. Um, you know, that's what that's what I do. That's what I've always done. I sort of grew up that way. Um, let's see what else. Um, like I said, to growing tomatoes, love them or hate them, they are a great thing to grow because in your pantries, I don't know about you, but we use tomatoes a couple times a week in recipes. Uh, depending on what you're making, you could be using sauces or you're just using actual tomato pieces, but doesn't matter. I think we've saved so much money just by growing tomatoes each year. We don't need to actually eat a lot fresh from the plants um, besides like cherry tomatoes for salads and things, but that actually um, growing tons of tomatoes serves us well. And tons, I mean under 12 plants usually. It depends on, on what else I wanna wanna plant. I think this year I'm gonna grow a little less tomatoes, more of the paste tomatoes, like I talked about in my other episode about my collection of paste tomatoes I'm trying out. Um, so that's that's my plan this year. And oh, let's see, frozen vegetables, um, meat. Like I talked about, we bought a quarter cow. I mean, not everybody can do that because it is. Couple hundred bucks anywhere from, well, depending on if you go organic or grass fed, that adds hundreds in either direction. So you pick your poison, choose your battles, whatever you want to do with that. But that actually, buying meat in bulk, even if that means for you buying meat when it's on sale at the grocery store. So say certain parts of chicken are under $2, maybe instead of buying one or two, Buy just one extra. So you don't always have to buy a giant amount of things to really, you know, add to your pantry, add to your freezers. I mean, granted, these things aren't wrapped well to last really long. So if you wanted to store them longer, I would take them out of the store packaging and either vacuum seal them or just put them in better freezer bags and maybe double wrap them or whatever you want to do. Look it up. I'm not an expert in this. I am not a Susie homemaker. <laughs> um, I'm just a normal person. We all work and like to do this stuff also. But adding a little extra extra of this and that on your grocery purchasing trip can add up and that's how you fill your pantry too. Maybe buy one extra can of this or one extra box of this. Um, you don't need to buy cases of things unless you really want them. I mean, 
we do buy a case of SpaghettiOs once in a while because my son really likes those. <laughs> so buy what you like. Always buy and grow what you want to eat. Uh, it doesn't make any sense if you're buying rice and beans. If you don't eat rice and beans, don't buy that. You know, only buy the things you're going to eat, you're going to cook, that your family will enjoy and aren't going to waste because that's pretty, pretty sad when things go to waste. Even if you thought you may try and create something amazing out of it and you're just like, no, I just can't and don't want to do that. So that's my advice on that one. Another good vegetable to grow that I just thought of is peppers. Bell peppers, jalapenos. You can pickle them if you want, if you want to do the work of that. Otherwise, peppers, um, the thicker walled ones are great to just chop up and freeze. You don't have to cook them. Um, no blanching involved. You can if you want. I don't know. It's up to you. But they just sort of freeze really nice. I've um, just chopped and frozen green bell peppers. And actually, a lot of my orange peppers that were not orange yet, I just chopped them up green and threw them in some vacuum-sealed little packages. And so now we have the perfect half cup size of chopped green peppers in our freezer for recipes. Otherwise we're paying, you know, a dollar or more per pepper if we want to add a pepper to spaghetti sauce or whatever recipe or salad that we're making. So that can save you a dollar per vegetable if you do it that way. Um, let's see. Ooh, the best thing, and I probably should have mentioned it first is another way to save tons and tons of money is growing your own herbs. So think of your herb cabinet and you see those tiny little containers or the bigger ones if you buy larger ones and how much did you pay for them? I bet they were $3 or more. If you buy the nicer ones, they can be up to eight to $10 per jar. And it is a mix of herbs and you don't know where they're from. You don't know how old they are and they probably don't have a lot of flavor once you think of it. And so if you grow your own basil, your own oregano, um, maybe some chives, you already have Italian seasoning right there. You can grow other herbs, like if you really like tarragon, which I love tarragon. Tarragon's hard to find the French version because um, the Russian version, <laughs> Russian version actually doesn't taste the licorice flavor. So make sure you're buying the right one. And then, um, so buy whatever herbs that you like to eat and then dry them. They dry easy, they can hang. I usually, I have a circular um, light fixture in my kitchen and I put metal hooks on it. And what I do is I harvest my herbs like a nice handful at a time and I put a rubber band about them and I hang them up. So all summer long there are green herb bunches hanging from our ceiling. And our tall friends always run into them. Um, they're always, you know, running into the <laughs> bunches of plants hanging from my ceiling. So I save tons of money. I don't buy herbs. I may buy some random ones that I don't grow. And that's what you do. But I may spend only a couple dollars on herbs rather than herb, buying herbs every time you need to make something or every time you run out of something. I mean, I wish I could grow black pepper plants. I haven't even looked into it, but I'm sure I can't. I think they're pretty temperature picky. So things like that is where I wish I could grow the basics like black peppers and um, like peppercorns is what I'm talking about. And just the random things like that is, wow, oh, I really want to do that. You know, some people have grown turmeric and ginger. Those are roots. 
and they've been able to grow them enough where it's a worthwhile hunk of the root. So I think that just takes practice and figuring out um, how you do that. Uh, sometimes it takes some time indoors or people just grow them inside if they have a really nice spot for them. So that takes some research, but that's doable also. You can also, uh, let's see, um, cut them fresh. Uh, you could, like basil, you can create yourself a little pesto mix, or it doesn't even need to be totally pesto. You could just chop up whatever herbs you have and add them to a little bit of olive oil and freeze them or just, you know, keep it in a jar. That's fine. That'll work a while. Well, that's forever. Um, you can also cook, cook the herbs, like cook them in a little bit of maybe chicken stock or something. And so it'll be a little liquidy thing and you can put that in a container or even a snack size Ziploc. I, I fill those with little bits of liquid all the time. Um, another good thing to do, speaking of bags of liquid, I save pineapple juice. My son loves to eat canned pineapple. So I buy the kind that is in 100% juice. So there's no added sugar or other random ingredients. And I take the juice from that and I just put it in Ziploc bags. And then when we make um, homemade teriyaki chicken or even any, you know, sweeter Asian uh, dinner, I just break off a hunk of the frozen pineapple and throw it in. So that's an easy way to do that. Um, so try and think of the things you eat and how can you save them and just save, save yourself a dollar here and there and that can go a long way. And so, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to talk about tonight. My herb broth took two days instead of one. Um, and it was not herb broth. I just said that beef broth. Uh, but I fixed it and it turned out great. It made a lot of dishes. But if you follow my recipe that I'm going to have on my website, I'll have the full recipe with instructions. And remember, you can do it in a giant stock pot. You can put it in crock pots, a big roaster pan, however you want to do it. It's whatever size you have it and the amount of time. That's my one bit of advice I would suggest is making sure you have the time for how you want to cook it. Because I had planned to be done with it Friday night. Um, it was not done. I worked on it Saturday. It was supposed to be done did not. And so finally it was done today. <laughs> so make sure you have the time to finish your projects because it takes a lot of space to store that much broth if you're not going to cook it right away. So also make sure you have the space for it. Oh, and I forgot to say too, if you don't want to pressure can this, which you have to pressure can um, meat stocks. It's just the way it is. There's no working around it. You don't want to kill anybody. Probably wouldn't taste very good if you actually can it the other way either because I don't think that would be very um, shelf stable we'll say uh, you can freeze it I did that before before I had a pressure canner I used to freeze it all the time so just buy yourself some of those nice quart quart size uh, containers or save them from the deli um, and that's how I used to save it. it takes up more space in your freezer but it is doable um, or is it block bags whatever it works uh, so just Trying to save some money. A couple bucks each meal really adds up. And you're serving, you know, better ingredients to your family. You know what's in it. Uh, a whole less salt. My goodness, have you ever looked at the amount of sodium on even low sodium broths is atrociously um, high. So doing it this way if you're on a low sodium diet or would like to be 
this is one huge step you can take is making your own bras. You don't even have to, any, have to add any salt to it. So that would be a great step for somebody who is working towards that goal of low or no sodium additional to their diet. So yeah, all right, I hope you enjoyed this. A little informational, a little funny. But yeah, I will talk to you again. Bye.